KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good morning and welcome along to the show today. It's five past ten thanks to Angela Doyle-Stewart for the news and uh, interesting listening to John Walsh this morning, the mystery voice up to I think 480 euros. I was actually out yesterday afternoon, came across two gentlemen pruning trees in uh, the Butler House Gardens and all they wanted to talk about was the mystery voice. They're convinced that I and probably everybody else who works at KCLR know exactly who the mystery voice is. Well, we don't. So don't keep hassling us when we're out and about. Only John Walsh knows who the mystery voice is. And I suppose the same goes for John Keane in the afternoon with his Wheel of Fortunes. Those secrets are very closely guarded. You have to tune in, listen and have a guess. No point costing people on the streets. Um, they're very closely held secrets, but um, I think they're both getting close to being record amounts. So do tune in to John Walsh in the mornings and John Keane in the afternoon. Give him a go and uh, maybe you'll be €480 Euro all the richer. What have we got for you today? Well, we've lots coming up on the show. Of course, you can always free phone us on our free phone number 1800-9696. Or indeed, you can text us on our KCLR Dinner's Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. The email to there as well, KCLR Live at KCLR96FM.com.com. Coming up between now and 12, well, in a couple of moments' time, I'll be speaking to Gareth Alcorn from Nor Valley Park because the Irish farm calendar is back and Gareth is looking splendid. The girls and guys in the office printed out photographs for me to look at as well. So Gareth is uh, adorning the desk here in KCLR Studios, but we'll be talking to him around about 20 past 10 to get a bit of an insight into. To what persuaded him to show his fantastic physique. Sergeant Connor Egan is also here for this week's Community Assist. And coming up after 11, are you culturally curious and love cycling? Well, Orla Tracy and Esther Nemethy, they're both here to tell us about an event that might be of interest to you. But first of all, Mary Heffernan, she's the Director of National Monuments and Visitor Services at the OPW. Well, three years ago, uh, the very popular attraction, Dunmore Caves, closed its door, but it's getting ready to open them back up. And joining me now to tell me all about it is Mary Heffernan. Good morning, Mary. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Well, first Um, of all, the question for you, uh, does Dunmore Caves actually have a door that's about to reopen? Oh, well, that's a good point. Um, well, it, it, it certainly has an, an, an enclosure and, and that, that enclosure w- w- will open up. Um, most in, especially, Brian, I'm, I'm very glad to share with visitors that I myself, um, my ancestors are from CARE, so I'm very, very, um, you know, delighted to be part of getting CARE, getting the caves, all of our work on, on, on CARE Castle and Swiss Cottage, all kind of, you know, uh, really now, getting very very vital and and, and, and and all of that. Now, it's an unusual time of the year to be reopening Dunmore Cave, but the decision taken by the OPW was that because it is an all-year-round site, that uh, we would we would go early now and get it open because, you know, it, it would be a long, another six months if visitors had to wait until the usual kind of seasonal peak time of, of opening at Patrick's Day. And just give us a bit of an idea, Mary, why were the caves closed back in 2019? Yeah, well, look, there were structural issues that, that were um, a major problem, and, and for the safety of both the visitors and the staff, we weren't allowed to have, have, have further people in there at the time. I mean, as, as you know, this cave, it's three, three and a half thousand years old, 
and it's 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 totally unique in the Republic of Ireland. And um, I don't know if you've been in it yourself, Brian, have you? I haven't, no. We've, been, we've visited yeah. other caves in other parts of the country. Etna Quirk has been in it. Um, she managed to escape as well. Children, great attractions. They, they love these types of places, don't they? they? They really, really do. I mean, I remember going there myself as, as, as a young child on a school trip. And um, it's it just left a kind of a, an, a you know an amazing um, uh, memory in my mind of, of just 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 how how stunningly beautiful it, it it really is. So so you know we're like between the kind of the main cathedral. I mean it's it's incredible how all of these different names: the Crystal Hall, the Fairies Floor, the Town Hall. Um, there's just you know there's just so much for visitors to get in there and and enjoy. So so we're very very excited about about getting it back open because it's, it's, a, it's a key part of visitors. If you're on the M8, I mean, the different opportunities to come off the M8 that are sites that the OPW looks after include the caves, it includes the castle, the Swiss cottage. Um, you know, the OPW, we're doing a lot of work at the moment in terms of the Ormond Trail. I mean, I know in Kilkenny, um, the Ormond name is, is so synonymous with Kilkenny Castle, uh, but actually, originally, the Palatinate, which is really like a mini court, was all in the South Tipperary area. The court itself was in Clonmel, and the satellite Ormond sites are Carrick, Care, and, and Clonmel. So, 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 so the OPW at the moment is, is working with Fall to Ireland on an initiative about boosting tourism on the river shore because I suppose coming up from Waterford you know you hit Carrick first with Ormond Castle you go on to Clonmel and then you go on to Care so um, by the time we get to next spring we're going to be releasing lots more information on this um, idea of, of just boosting the whole sense of come visit Care and see what's available and of course the yeah. caves as, as a really really special and unusual prehistoric experience will, will be part of that. Well Mary you won't be aware of this but there's a touch of an echo on the line there it's quite uh, sort of atmospheric because it actually sounds like you're in the caves at the moment <laughs> but I know in its heyday there was 40,000 visitors would visit the site um, how quickly do you expect to get back to that level of um, visitors? Uh, well, I'm pleased to announce that we, we have just recently hired uh, three new digital marketing uh, teams who are, in fact, heading off in the next couple of weeks to um, Belgium, Spain, um, and England. And, and so we are, the, and, and the reopening of the Dunmore Cave is, is, is a highlight on, the, on their itinerary for promotion. So, so we're going to be working very, very hard to promote the reopening of Dunmore Cave. I, I, um, I'm awaiting word from the Minister's office, but I know the Minister is, is going to be launching the official reopening of, of the caves, and that will build a number of, of publicity as well. But, but, you know, realistically, Brian, you know, it, it, it could well be 25 before numbers start to, start to get back up again. But, but you know, it, it's always been a compelling site, and I know once the, the tourism business and industry hear that it's open again, uh, I, I think there'll be huge demand to get back in. And of course, the OPW have a huge amount of sites right across the country, but specifically here in Kilkenny and Carlow. Give us a bit of an oversight as to how those sites are going and what are those key sites right across the two counties. Okay, well, well, in Carlow, I mean, clearly Altamont Gardens is just a hugely popular site. 
Um, I mean, just the numbers that go there is, is just phenomenal. I mean, are you familiar with that one, Brian? I, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, we yeah. are we are as a family. I mean, my, my children are eight and fourteen, so probably just missed out um, on uh, uh, going to the cave sites. But we love OPW sites; they're great value, and, and and some of the key ones across Kilkenny and Carlow are well worth visiting. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm thrilled now that you know that one and, and like that one because that, that's just, it's just magical. I think when you see the sheep out, out, out the back of the house and, and just the, all of the flora and fauna are just so special. I mean, in Kilkenny, I mean, you know, the medieval castle is just a masterpiece. It's, it's, it's the second most highly visited site of the OPW, second after uh, Dublin Castle, and it, it's just, it's just a magnet. And uh, in addition to the incredible tour, Inside the medieval castle, I mean, the grounds are just, just, just an extraordinary resource to, to the people of Kilkenny and visitors. Um, aside from that, there, there's all of the beautiful medieval ruins of uh, Dusk Abbey. Uh, um, I'm just trying to list off the, the chair point. Yeah. All of these different types, Gowran, you know, all, all of the abbeys are strong contenders and I, I think they just paint a picture of, of an extraordinarily antique history to, to the county of Kilkenny so, yeah, so well, um, our medieval history across Kilkenny and Carlow is so rich uh, you know the, the castle that we mentioned is, is probably the jewel in the crown um, and even elements of the castle the picture gallery I think it's called that big massive room with the timber yeah, panel it's yeah, just fabulous yeah. fabulous site. and apart from that not only are they great sites in their own right but so many of these sites put on um, fabulous events as well I know for example the trad sessions um, continuing I think they're on today in Altamont um, I think it's the last one of the season Mary George and Co they're all uh, uh, you know busy 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 organising events so these sites are more than just the site themselves they become hubs within the community for events like this they have they have really and as you say I'm delighted for you to, to kind of pull out the um, events which are both cultural and educational so, and, and, and you know there's just a, a plethora of them going on the whole time and, and I often reflect myself that you know in a certain way some of these estates were you know um, Protestant ascendancy estates and you know kind of really behind high walls and gated gated kind of entrances and you know I think their survival and now that they're protected by the state you know, it's it's a whole renaissance and a whole whole new way of looking at them because now they belong to the people, and now the people are able to go in and enjoy them and, and enjoy a huge range of, of heritage and culture. So, you know, I, I think uh, that this is only going to strengthen in the years ahead. Absolutely. Listen, just to bring it back then to uh, the good news of the reopening of the caves themselves. I mean, I've got two children who are big Minecraft fans. I'm sure the <laughs> fact that Minecraft has been so popular with kids, you know, brings the whole mining and caves really, really to the forefront. And there'll be a lot of children who maybe uh, weren't quite old enough to go and visit the caves before they closed, who'll be dying to go and see it. Have we got a date as to when they'll actually be opening? Um, now, the, the conservation works finish at the end of this month, and I'm working hard with the team. At the, at the, at, you know, as it stands, it most likely will be the second week of October. And as I say, we're waiting because, you know, we really want a nice flurry of, 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 of media attention in, in this second week of October. So I'm waiting for the minister to confirm if, if, if that's the date that he can open it and it'll be, it'll, it'll be open from then on. So, so, so watch if this, if, uh, listeners want to keep looking at Heritage Ireland, our website and the, and the opening date will be going up very, very shortly on that. And which minister are you hoping to have open the site, Mary? It's, 
It's Patrick O'Donovan, the Minister of State at the Office of Public Works. Okay, brilliant. You don't know how, whether, whether he's good underground because it, it, it's exciting going underground. It's a, it's a very visual thing, but some people go, oh, a little bit. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. no, no, our minister, he, he is passionate about Ireland's heritage. He, 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 he is absolutely fantastic. And he's the one who's, who's, who's actually very impatient to get, to get the builders out and, 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 and to get this open. So he, 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 he'll, be, he'll be there. And he's young children himself, so who knows, he may, he may even bring them along with him. Well, it's great news. Mary Heffernan, Director of National Monuments and Visitor Services at the Office of Public Works. Thanks for your time this morning. We're all looking forward to the reopening of uh, Dunmore Caves. Um, I'm sure people will be dying to get back down and visit it and maybe bring some of those young children who haven't had a chance to be there before. 18 minutes past 10 o'clock. I'll be back in a moment when we'll be talking all things farm calendars. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how this ended up on the running order. Good-looking men with their shirts off holding lambs and wellies. Surprise, surprise. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Yes, it's Brian Redmond with you this morning. Uh, looking forward to going and visit the caves when they reopen. Absolutely. The kids love all that type of thing. We'll be talking to Gareth Alcorn just after this one from Dermot Kennedy. Uh, he's lost. I hope he's not visiting the caves. Everything was broken. The devil hit his second stride But if only you could see yourself in my eyes You'd see you shine, you shine And if only you could see yourself in my eyes You'd see you shine, you shine I know you'd never leave me behind But I am lost this time What if the love you deserve is love you never find I've learned in love and death we don't decide And if only you could see yourself in my eyes You'd see you shine, you shine Dermot Kennedy, with lost at 23 minutes past 10 o'clock. Uh, moving on, a bit of a tenuous league. Somebody who's not lost, but he may have lost his shirt, is Gareth Alcorn from North Valley Park because Gareth is Mr. June. Yes, Mr. June in the hugely popular Irish farmer calendar, which has just returned for 2024. And Gareth joins us from the lines now of his own working location. Good morning, Gareth. Morning, morning. How's it going? Well, listen, I mean, the weather has turned just a little bit in the last couple of days. Are you shirt on or shirtless this morning? Oh, I'm shirtless, especially for the listeners this morning, <laughs> but unfortunately you can't see me in the office. Yeah, yeah. We also don't believe you, but anyway. No. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a bit of fun. I mean, the Irish Farm calendar raises a huge amount of money and um, its founder, Kira Ryan, who first launched the calendar back in 2020, 2010, uh, she said she'd planned to finish the series in 2023, but no, it's back again. Tell me about um, how you got, let's say, your arm twisted to get involved. Yeah, it's it's a funny story, and you know it's 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 funny that it's I'm coming back up again now. I, I wasn't ever expecting this. It was a bit of a shock to see that I was back again, because believe it or not, the, like the the photo that was taken of me and is in the calendar this year was taken ten years ago. So uh, I'm I'm happy enough because trust me, I'm about three stone lighter and uh, I'll have a bit more hair and a little bit less grey. <laughs> 
then compared to now so it's a it's a different it's a different kettle of fish now but it was it we we have i, I work out here at nor valley park and we have a mobile farm that we go out to different events so she rang up and said listen you have a mobile farm can you bring some animals to a photo and i said yeah no problem so out we came and when i was there and the photo shoot was happening um some of the farmers that were due to model didn't show up <laughs> and she was like i mean no that's a story i got they yeah, didn't show right. up but anyway i was then look they didn't show up can you please just step in and um my my wife now but girlfriend at the time Caroline I rang her and I said and I want me to do this and I was tra- hoping that she would give me the out I said this I need to ring the girlfriend first and rang up hoping she'd be no don't you'd be mortifying and to my shock her she's like yes you have to do it so that was that I uh, I took the shirt off got a few pictures and I, I've been living in infamy ever since for... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suppose uh, is the calendar in your own home uh, it is, yes. And does it, it ever turn uh, from June to July, or does the wife just leave it <laughs> on June all year long? <laughs> it uh, no, it 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 probably stays on on my picture. I think I'd be a little bit disappointed if it was. Turning uh, over, yeah, I never skipping past me. I never thought about it like that. You'd sort of go in one day. Why is it always December in this house? What is it with Mister December? But listen, <laughs> to give people a bit of an idea, you know, you managed to get your shirt off, but you kept your flat cap still on the pink welly you're holding it's it's a little sheep or a little ram or something like that in one arm and a little pink welly in the other one Uh, the the welly's a bit small it doesn't look like it'd be one of yours no no the the photo shoot was that all the pictures try to be a bit tongue-in-cheek we try not to take it too serious so you know it was a goat wearing wellies you know the little tiny Ah, pink wellies not for me (laughs) You know, so it's, it's, they're all sort of, a lot of the pictures are a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit of fun, a little bit of cheeky fun, silly fun. We're not in by any stretch of the imagination models, but I think that was kind of the appeal of it. It's just, they're all actual farmers, you know, they don't just get in models to pretend to be farmers. And I think you can tell by looking at the pictures (laughs) that we're not real models. (laughs) Well, listen, when you got the phone call this year, I want to know how big your ego got when Kira Ryan rang you and said, listen, Gareth, we're doing a special edition this year, right? We're not going to actually do a new shoot. We're going to do a fan's favourite, and we're going to actually uh, republish some of the most popular photographs from the previous year. And you've made the cut. How big was the head that day? Uh, I'll be honest, my initial response is like, oh, no, not again, because <laughs> I get an awful slagging from everyone about it. But it's, it's all right. No, I, once I kind of realised... The, the the pictures that were chosen were actually voted by the people who get they they put up a vote and they they picked the so I was voted in which I suppose is flattering and do you know what it is it's a bit of fun I've had a load of great opportunities have come out of it you know um, there's been I've got to go on to um, some of the TV shows Ireland AM and um, some of the radio stations up in Dublin and different things and there was a TV show even came around and um, they had contacted Kira looking for farmers and I got onto a TV show so it's it's opened doors to areas I never thought I'd step into and it's been a bit fun a bit of adventure and do you know what it's like I said I look better then than I do now so I can look <laughs> back and say look back and say those are my heydays you know look how good I look back in when I was in my I was 30 I just turned 40 now so uh 
you know, it was, you know, it was, it's nice to have something to look back on and kind of say, do you know, what? I'm glad I did that now. It was a bit of fun. And as you said, your now wife was just a girlfriend at the time. Did it, did it come up in the wedding speech at all? Did anybody sort of reference <laughs> it at any point? No, no, but I do get, um, I do get text messages or references now and again. And random, it pops up in the most random um, places. Uh, sometimes some article or something pops up where it was used and all of a sudden then there i am they're like what and then people forget you did it then and you know when years later it pops up again and it's a bit of a funny story again you know yeah yeah, yeah. You, do you have any children yet i do yeah i just had my third uh six weeks ago so we're our hands are full yeah three kids and uh yeah busy life and how old are they now garth the oldest is six, and okay. like I said, the younger is six, four, and a six-week-old baby. I can only four, imagine so. what it'll be like in ten years' time when somebody in a <laughs> playground somewhere says to your oldest child, "Wasn't your dad that fella back in his thirties when he was on?" And they'd be like, "What?" <laughs> I know. Well, I tell you, there's there's a funny story when it first when the calendar first came out back ten years ago. You know. Uh, we we go into schools and hatch eggs in schools as part of the project that we do here in Nor Valley Park. And I was in schools in Kilkenny. Um, it must have been around this time of the year or or in into October. And I was in a supermarket and I was just standing in the checkout line. And there's a wee boy in front of me with his mother, and he was pulling on the mother's shirt tail and pulling on the mother's shirt tail and looking at me. And I knew it. I, I get it all the time. There's the chicken man. There's the chicken man. <laughs> from being in the schools and so the mum's like knocking him and like get away get away and then looks down and what is it and he goes look it's the chicken man and she looks up and she looks dead in my eye and she goes that's not the chicken man that's mr that's mr june i nearly died i nearly died oh, oh was, yeah it, it, <laughs> so it does happen well, there you go. You shall be uh, forever famous and known as the uh, either the Chicken Man or Mister June. Great to see things are, are still, uh, still 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 looking as fine as ever, despite the fact the photograph was taken ten years ago. And of course, <laughs> great to hear that things are going well for uh, Nor Valley Pet Farm as well. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. Sorry to rehash the embarrassment for you, but we had to no, do it. No, it's <laughs> thanks for joining us Gareth Alcorn from Nor Valley Pet Farm Mr June in the Irish Farmer's Calendar for this year I'm sure if you can do a little Google search on him you'll probably find him if you fancy having a look at him this morning the wellies are not his they belong to the sheep there you go um, Casey Law News spoke earlier on to uh, Mary Mulholland you may have heard it on the news earlier this morning about uh, 2 party leader TD Palatobian hitting out at a number of vacant council houses there are across the country when so many people are on waiting lists for homes let's take an opportunity now to listen um, to Mary talking in fuller terms to Casey Law's news team every once in a while people raise these vacant properties in the ownership of the local authority and it depends how you ask the question or how you answer the question, what figure you get. Um, at any single point in time, we are working on 45 to 55 vacant houses that we're trying to turn around to be relit at any one time. We also would have a cohort of houses that are vacant for other reasons. So the 78 figure includes everything that is within our stock that is vacant. So. What we would have is we have our normal turnaround of vacant houses where a, part, a tenant dies or a tenant leaves the house and it's returned to us. And then there's a process of 
of doing up the property. If it's a particularly old property, we take the opportunity to carry out refurbishment, upgrade, retrofit and bring it up to modern day standards so they can take a little bit longer. Sometimes we encounter older houses with asbestos issues or or some fundamental issue where it then becomes a bigger job and it takes a lot longer to, to resolve. We do have other houses that are vacant for other reasons than non-conventional reasons. So they would include, at the moment we have a number of cases going through the courts where properties have been abandoned, where the tenants have left, and where we can't actually take the house back into our possession without going through the courts for an order for repossession. So we have a number of houses in that situation at the moment. We have a number of houses that are long-term voids for reasons to do with title queries or some legal issue. And we have a number of houses that are being refurbished in a cyclical refurbishment program as well. And that would account for another four to six houses. So literally the number that we have on a rolling basis of normal vacant properties is somewhere around 50 at any one time. But you you would put somebody into those houses once they're ready to go and once all of the paperwork has been sorted in? Absolutely. The the vast majority of houses that we get the keys back from a family when a person uh, dies or when they're returning the tenancy for whatever reason, probably those houses take us 10, 12 weeks to turn around and we re-let them as quickly as we can. But there are circumstances where something there are outliers where we have the asbestos issue where we have a void property in the city centre at the moment and it had been a tenancy for so long it was the only property left with an outdoor toilet so that's a bigger longer term void because we need to to reconfigure the house and retrofit it in to normal rental standards so Sometimes you get outliers, but I would I would also point out that we do have a growing number of abandoned properties where tenants just leave, and when we go to court for the repossession order, the tenants reappear, and that can be a very lengthy process. And we do have we have uh, six cases in the courts at the moment dealing with that issue, which is really difficult to deal with in a housing crisis. Our job here is to get people into houses as quickly as we can. Our normal turnover of vacant properties is quite good compared to other counties, but we do have outliers where we have larger issues to deal with and legal issues to deal with, such as possession orders. But our focus has always been get people into houses as quickly as possible, and we've been very good at that. And the waiting list for people who are on the council list, um, these figures show 1,720 people in, in Kilkenny. Is that any better or worse than what we've seen in recent times? Oh, absolutely. And that is the, the growth figure. So that would include uh, another figure that was provided to uh, Deputy Tobin was the HAP figure of 643 in Kilkenny. So all of those HAP applicants are included in the 1,720 applicants. So that means that uh, 643 of the people on the waiting list do have a social housing solution. So what we tend to look at is the net figure, people who don't have any social housing solution, and that's well under 1,000 at this stage. So when I would have started in housing in 2016, we were looking at over 2,200 on the list. Uh, so we've made significant progress. 
Our Dwayne Grace taking a deeper dive behind some of the stories making this morning's news. Speaking there to uh, Kilkenny County Council's Director of Services for Housing, Mary Mulholland's 23 minutes to 11 o'clock now. We're going to take a short break after which it's time for this week's Community Assist. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR. 21 minutes to 11 o'clock. And uh, as always at this time of the week, it's time for Community Assist. KCLR. Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. Joining me in studio for this week's Q Community Assist, Sergeant Connor Egan. You're very welcome in, Connor. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Um, I suppose there's only one place to start, really, yesterday, which was the uh, robbery of the post office here uh, in High Street, Kilkenny. Uh, absolutely, Brian. And I know you've been covering covering it there on your news bulletin, so it, it's out there. Yeah, so, uh, Brian, at approximately half three yesterday, Jews uh, at the 12th, the Guardian Kilkenny responded to a call of an armed robbery in progress at the post office there on High Street. So it appears that a lone uh, male uh, in his 30s entered the post office brandishing an implement which we now know was, was a hammer, Brian, and demanded cash. Now he got a small sum of cash before fleeing the premises on foot. Uh, fortunately, he was apprehended. The male suspect was apprehended close to the, c- the, the the scene a short time later, and the weapon, the hammer, and a quantity of cash believed to be the proceeds of the robbery uh, recovered. Now he was arrested and conveyed to Car- uh, Kilkenny Garda Station, where he was detained under the, the provisions of Section Four of the Criminal Justice Act, Brian. And he so remains. He's still currently in custody, uh, being questioned there in relation to this morning. As you can imagine, Brian, this was a terrifying uh, ordeal mm. for, for both staff and customers. Uh, and whilst we have um, a person of interest in custody, I suppose we have an appeal that uh, for witnesses that anybody in the vicinity of the post office in High Street yesterday at approximately tr- uh, half past three that saw suspicious activity either before, during or after the robbery, maybe to, to, to contact my colleagues in Kilkenny. And also, Brian, that any drivers who were on High Street at around half three that may have dash cam footage uh, if they wouldn't mind giving us a call and, and assisting us on that one, we'd appreciate it. So the usual uh, appeal for the likes of dash cam footage yes. and the such, you get in contact with the guys at Kilkenny Garda Station. Um, how are the, uh, the the staff? Yeah, I, I believe that the post office closed yesterday and has reopened this morning. Uh, n- it's fortunately nobody sustained any serious injury, but you can imagine the trauma and the, and the ordeal. Like it's terrifying. Somebody, you know, the, the roaring yeah. and the shouting and the banging of the hammer and stuff for both staff and customers. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking about off-air. I'm quite happy to share that my own wife worked in the post office for years. She was actually injured um, in with a shotgun um, in a robbery that she was involved in years ago. And now how traumatic it is for the staff. And, and I suppose it'd be nice if anybody's around near the post office today, um, just pop in and say hello to the guys and girls working in there. Yeah. Just give them your good wishes. Yeah. I'm sure it will make all the difference yeah. today. It's, it's funny, Brian, because only a few days ago within the station, we were kind of saying, you know, years ago, a bank robberies, post office robberies, were common they were daily placed you don't hear of it that that you know it's not as common Thankfully, yeah. but it still happens yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. do happens. pop in our thoughts um, and uh, they do great work they do really really do great work and to be back open back in the building less than 24 hours after the instance is it's real testament to them continuing on though with uh, a burglary Kilkenny Road in Carlow Town yeah back to Carlow Town Brian a burglary here over the weekend we believe uh, on Saturday night at approximately which was the 9th 
of September at approximately half past ten. In this instance, a building site on the Kilkenny Road there, just in the outskirts of Carlow Town, was entered and a number of secure storage boxes were cut open. Now, we believe that they may have used a consa that would want cutting equipment. Um, so, and Unfortunately, a substantial quantity of high-value tools and equipment were stolen from within these boxes. Um, we do believe, obviously, because there were steel containers that a consa or something to that effect was used to, co- to, to open the, the, the secure storage boxes. A lot of high-value property stolen uh, in, in this one, Brian, including Mikita angle grinders, drills, DeWalt multi-tool, uh, a DeWalt impact driver. Uh, a couple of lasers, uh, laser levels, which are, are, are high value uh, yeah. items, the Walt laser levels, um, a Hilti rotational level, Hilti rotational uh, batteries. Um, so a lot of high value goods taken. So I suppose our appeal to anybody that saw lights maybe in that building site on the Kilkenny Road, uh, heard noise. Don't assume it was workmen. Maybe contact us. You transport would have been required to remove that property, Brian. And yeah, there'd again, be a fair bit of weight and all that stuff. There's a lot of weight in that. Yeah. It's high value. Again, anybody offered any of that stuff, um, the the makes, uh, just be mindful. It could be the proceeds of 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 that crime. Yeah. So the key the key brands you're looking at, there's, there's a lot of Makita stuff going to find its way to the the yeah, dodgy market yeah. along with. A, all the devolt stuff and, yeah, and the laser, laser levels, levels in particular are that they're high value products okay um, and again unfortunately another burglary killed Derry in Higginstown County Kilkenny sometime between the 8th of the 8th and the 8th of the 9th yeah, so quite a big window yeah it's a, it's a four week window there um, Brian so the home, home homeowner there in Kilderry Higginstown reports that the shed was broken into sometime in that period that four week period between the 8th and, of, of August and the 8th of September again the lock broken on the door it's not the first time we've that one and again, Brian, it's every week the gardening equipment. In this case, a Husqvarna lawnmower, a Husqvarna chainsaw, and a red snapper ride-on lawnmower, which is distinctive enough, and a teagle hedge trimmer stolen from the shed. And again, colleagues in, in Kilkenny are looking for any information or help on this one. Uh, CCTV footage, damn, if you are offered any of those, you know, the red snapper ride-on lawnmower, uh, just to bear it in mind that, that it, it could be the proceeds of that crime in, in uh, Kildare and Higginstown uh, last month yeah and of course you don't stick a ride on lawnmower into a swag bag and throw it over absolutely, your shoulder that yeah. went onto a trailer somewhere Correct. for absolutely, sure yeah. um, we've quite a lot to get through which is an unfortunate thing so we'll keep yeah. moving on um, St Patrick's Church in Ballyragget a theft from there yeah the next two Brian are related we believe are connected a uh, theft from two churches so this sorry w- did we have a theft from a church recently also I think we did yeah yeah. from recollection we did Brian so in this instance Brian it happened um, on the 6th which is last week Wednesday the 6th of September the first one uh, occurred at St. Patrick's Church in Ballyragget and my, my colleagues in Castlecomer are investigating this one so it occurred at some time between half past 10 in the morning and 1pm on, on that Wednesday whereby the culprit broke open a lock on the candle shrine the money box at the candle shrine and stole a small amount of money uh, from Sam I'm sure a, a lot of it would have been coinage uh, and again, Brian, we believe this theft is connected with the next one, which happened approximately the same time. On uh, and this theft happened at St Lacton's Church in Chapel Chapel Street, Freshford. Um, again, in this instance, the male entered the empty church. Um, 
we think somewhere maybe around 11.45 a.m. Uh, and he attempted to force open a money box again located at the candle shrine. In this instance, uh, the culprit was dis- uh, disturbed and fled on a bicycle. Um, so we do believe it is the one and the same culprit. So again, you'd probably cycle from from um, Freshford to, to Ballyragget in less than half an hour. Mm. So maybe anybody travelling that road between half past 10 and we'll say 12 o'clock, uh, quarter to 12, 12 o'clock last Wednesday, um, a male on a bicycle maybe acting suspiciously, uh, maybe stood out or whatever. Yeah. Give my colleagues in, in Castlecomer a buzz on that one, please. And I'm sure people will, will pick up on this as we read the stories out, but maybe anybody who's involved in uh, church committees or anything like that, just bear it in mind at the moment. Yeah. There seems to be a bit of a spate of this going on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe secure, I don't know, look at money boxes for the, 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 the candle shrines are left out. But if you have CCTV in the church or whatever, you know, just or maybe if you're just keep an eye on it if, yeah. you're, if you're popping into the local church. One I always hate to look at, theft from a person. Yeah, yeah, which is is different from the theft from the shed or the theft from the shop or whatever, theft from a car, uh, Brian. Uh, In this instance, it happened at Bridge Street, Callan, last Saturday sometime between half past six and seven o'clock in the evening. So the injured party in this instance was a young person. Uh, They were holding their gym bag uh, on the street at Bridge Street when an unknown male approached them and snatched the gym bag from their person before running off and contained within the gym bag was was the injured party's iPhone 13. So not a nice experience for a young person to to experience that. And again, my colleagues in Callan are appealing for any help on this one, Brian. CCTV, Dashcam, anyone on Bridge Street uh, who might have seen anything out of the ordinary between half six and seven last Saturday evening. Just trying to continue expanding my own knowledge of the terminology used by Gardy. Is a theft from from a person the same as a mugging or are they slightly different? Uh, people can get confused in this. It, it probably is the same, yeah. A robbery from the person is where force or fear of force okay. is used yeah. in a theft. Like, there's probably no words exchanged. Just grab grabbed and run. Yeah, so the, there's a slight difference. If there's no fear or no threat involved, it's kind of, we, we classify it as probably as guarded ter- the terminology as a theft, theft from a person. And moving on to MPV, which I know from our previous discussions <laughs> are motor-propelled vehicles. Yes, We've got the, two yes. of them to look at, Hoban Park, and in a moment, Clonmore Hall in Piltown. Go on to Hoban Park, first of all. Yeah, Hoban Park. Again, we're staying in Callan with this one. Uh, 2.30 a.m. last Monday morning, the 11th of September, Gardine Callan received a call to Hoban Park to the effect that a male had gained access to a van in the state and was actually seen rooting through the passenger side of the vehicle uh, before being disturbed. Again, male fled the scene. Uh, description is vague, Brian, but best described as having appeared and wearing a hoodie. It's not, it's not great, but it's all we have at the moment. Mm. So again, Callan uh, Gardier appealing for information, witnessed the CCTV, maybe doorbell cam, you know. Yeah, yeah, those ring doorbells. Maybe he might have tried the, the car in your drive. So again, the time is about uh, 2.30 a.m. in Hoban Park in Callan. Okay. And then um, that last one then, as we said, Clownmore Hall in Piltown. Yeah, you might recall, Brian, last week my colleague uh, Gardalisa Fallon spoke about a theft from a vehicle in Belline Vale in Piltown. Uh, we believe that these two further ones are related. Happened all the, the three thefts happened around the same time. So on these particular ones, it was two cars in Clanmore Hall in Pilltown were targeted. Uh, again, at 2 a.m. last Wednesday morning, uh, the 6th of September, a sum of money was taken from the person one car in Clanmore Hall, and the second vehicle was also done. Then uh, Brian 
again parked in the driveway of a private dwelling and in this instance a number of tools were stolen from the vehicle including a Milwaukee drill, Milwaukee charging unit and two batteries, a DeWalt laser level, the laser levels are, are very popular and a Milwaukee sander. So again... So all yeah. these lasers, there's got an awful lot yeah, of very, yeah, very yeah, level yeah, stuff yeah. going on so around Kilkenny. Anybody girl. in the trade that's offered these, look at just bearing in mind they are GPS operated, I think a lot of those... Uh, some of them have trackers. So look, at it's just that there is obviously a market for them, Brian. Uh, they wouldn't be taking them if there wasn't. Yeah, it's every week now we're coming in, gardening, equipment. I mean, the trades, the tradesmen are so busy at the moment. I mean, just yesterday a friend of mine was talking about <laughs> trying to get an electrician. Uh, November was the date they were yeah, given. No, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, 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 it just goes to show yeah. how many guys are out working and, at the moment. Sometimes, Brian, if you see somebody in a yellow jacket on a building site, you automatically assume that they, they should be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like the old story of the, the fella in the high vis jacket that walked in and just lifted the cigarette machine out of the pulp yeah. and every. Yeah, let them away yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. We're also going to give a, a little warning. A little. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The the crime prevention advice and related to romance scams. Yeah, for for all the romantics out there, but it is a crime, I suppose, Brian. It is uh, year on year we're seeing an increase, and we know it's underreported. So basically, Brian, this is where the victims of the scam believe they have met their perfect match online, maybe a dating app, but the other person is in fact a scammer using a faked profile to build the relationship so they slowly gain the victim's trust with a view to eventually asking them uh, for money. We know in one case, Brian, where one Irish woman was showered with expensive gifts including scarves, perfumes before she was asked to invest in her suitorsness. Mm. And over a 13 month period, the woman then gave the romance fraudster €48,000. Oh, okay, initially she delayed reporting it to the Gardaí. Why? Because she was married. Oh, she was married. Yeah, yeah, and we find that a little bit. It's embarrassment. It's because maybe they're in a relationship and they don't want their partner, their other, knowing That's that they're terrible. on dating websites. Yeah. So these guys, they play on that. Yeah. Okay. They're they're gone sophisticated. They're using. Uh, social and financial class profiling so they're going into your LinkedIn page to see is it worth pursuing you? Yeah. have you funds what car do you drive have you been on an expensive holiday this, they invest months targeting you they need a return yeah yeah, so, absolutely you know. and if they're willing to invest in sending you a couple of presents here or there they know exactly. there's a bigger payoff that, that, at the end a of it um, it's always great to talk to you it's a yeah. shame we have to speak under those circumstances yeah. but, but Sergeant Conor Egan thank you as always for bringing us this week's Community Assist KCLR Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. we're going to take a short break and we'll have some music for you to take you nearer to the news at 11 KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Yeah, you're welcome back. It's Brian Redmond with you. 5 to 11 this morning. Been waiting to play this track for ages. It's a big popular one at the moment. It's Oh My Johnny from Chasing Abbey. Oh my on the banks of the roses, me love and I sat down I took out me fiddle for me love to play a tune And in the middle of the tune, she smiled and she said Oh my Johnny, oh my Johnny, don't you leave me On the banks of the roses, me love and I sat down I took out me fiddle for me love to play a tune And in the middle of the tune, she smiled and she said Oh my Johnny, oh my Johnny, oh my Johnny, don't you leave me 
That is Oh My Johnny. It's a big popular song at the moment. It's uh, three minutes to 11 o'clock. We're going to take a short break and news at 11 will be on the way after that. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Thanks, Angela. Have you ever been lost in a cave? No, I haven't, Brian. Yeah, you know, we were listening, obviously, to the show. Like, everybody should be doing. Um, Dunmore Caves due to open up fairly soon. Somebody actually sent me in a text. Said, Brian, I actually got lost in Dunmore Caves back in the 1970s. There was a lake of pure crystal water. Uh, clear, we discovered. Probably dried up now, says the king. The king of Kilkenny. We all know who we're talking about when he does that. He said, he wants to know how much the entry is. I'm not quite sure, Mr. King. Um, but uh, you, you get that on the LPW site. And so I want to know, text me back in, let me know, have you escaped from the caves? Now, Angela, would you be, would you be, I know some people can get a bit claustrophobic in environments like that. Would you be okay with that type of thing? No, I'm okay with it. I've been in the caves a few years ago and okay. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Would you go back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll so what, what fears, do you have any fears? Um, I have some fears. I'm not going to share them with you, though. Oh, oh no, you can't you say can use them that. Me. You, can, you know what my big fear is? You know, but <laughs> people, some people will know. Some people, are. I'm quite tall. I'm nearly six foot four. You know what I hate? What do you hate? Heights. Heights. I have. A, I'm not good with heights. I'm a bit dodgy <laughs> with the old heights. I have to say. <gasps> poor Brian. Oh, poor Brian. She's still not going to tell me what her own fears are, though, are they? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> I'll come and find out off air. Angela Dulles, you're back with you at 12. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. She got me really intrigued now as to find out what, what her actual fears are. She says, I have some, but I'm not going to tell you. Hmm... Yeah, she's she's good at the old sales pitches, Angela Dalsure. We have to find that out and see what her actually fears are. I'll find out and I'll come and let you know. Something else I wanted to let you know about as well is Clock Monster Tractor Run happening Sunday the 17th of September. That's this coming Sunday, of course. The venue is Clock National Skill. Uh, registration from 10.30am. Start time is at 12. It's costing uh, 20 euros per vehicle. It's all in aid of Clock Community Council and Clock National Skill. They're looking for vintage tractors, classic tractors and the big modern stuff. Uh, 20 euros and they've got refreshments available as well. So if you are um, into that type of thing and want to pop on and have a look, it's happening, as I said, Sunday the 17th and registration from 10.30am. Another text that I told you I'll read out was in relation to a piece we were doing earlier on in the show because I was talking this morning to Gareth Alcorn. He's from Nor Valley Park, but he's known as Mr. June because he uh, modelled for uh, the farmer's calendar back 10 years ago and he's just made the all-star version of the calendar now for 2024, uh, Gareth Alcorn. But somebody else has been on to me to say, my brother was in that calendar across Australia and Canada. Ooh, lots of farmers in Australia and Canada. He was on many girls' bedroom walls and maybe some fellas as well, who knows. Um, but uh, those farming calendars are always a bit of fun and the latest edition, the all-star edition, including the fabulous Gareth Alcorn, is coming out here quite soon. Now, are you culturally curious and maybe into cycling for leisure or pleasure reasons? Well, you're urged to take part in a collective cycling experience called Cycles, the brainchild of Orla Tracy, creative producer at Carlo Arts Festival. Uh, we're joined in studio by um, by Orla herself and also on the line by one of the artists involved, Esther Nemeti. We'll be talking to Esther in a moment. But first of all, welcome to studio, Orla. Thanks for having me. Are you into cycling yourself? Uh, <laughs> Be honest now, don't you? No, not no. so much. 
but I I appreciate those who are. Uh, I have to say, actually, my mother more so is into cycling. She cycles all over the county uh, of Kilkenny. So uh, that might have come into it. I don't know. But I just thought it would be great to do a an unusual project like this about cycling and get people to look at, I suppose, their surroundings a bit differently to get out of them. Well, you don't have to be into something to come up with a great idea for it. That's okay to say. I mean, you're actually doing a service by providing something to things that other people are interested in. But it's happening on September the 24th. It's called Cycles. Yes. What's it about? Tell us what people will experience. So, on the day, there will be an 18-kilometre cycle. It'll begin and end at Ducats Grove, beautiful site in Carlow. Um, it'll be a very easy-going cycle, leisurely, not competitive at all. Um, you'll get a... When you come on the day, you'll get a... a fancy high-vis costume uh, you'll get a speaker and you'll be asked uh, if you've downloaded this specific app called Echoes um, and along the route that app will be set off uh, there'll be uh, there'll be an audio piece that'll play from the speaker and that will I suppose inform the experience around you and that audio piece has been created through workshops we've done in Rathvilly, Great Cullen, Tullow and Hackettstown in Carlow so writing workshops, song development workshops um, that are based around the landscape of the area of Carlow. And where were you when you came up with this mad idea? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Looking at funding applications, <laughs> really honestly. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I suppose, look, Michelle Brown and Esther Nemethy, the two artists working on this project, um, are brilliant artists that I've wanted, you know, to work with and have worked with before, wanted to work with again and just thought it would be brilliant. So you were sitting there one day wanting to work with these artists again with a blank funding form in front of you. <laughs> I know <laughs> culture and cycling will put them together well one of the exactly. artists involved as you said is Esther Nemeti and Esther joins us on the phone line now good morning Esther good morning so when uh, you got the phone call from when you got the phone call from Orla um, with this harebrained idea what were your first thoughts um, I think I was just trying to imagine how we are going to cycle and how it's going to have anything to do with language because maybe that's one of the kind of topics that we're trying to cover and what are the mechanics of that uh, so my first thoughts were quite technical I would say um, yeah and in terms of the pieces that you've put together those audio pieces um, did it take a long time to come up with the ideas as to what those pieces would focus on and what the experience would be like for the cyclists as they went along their journey yeah, I mean, I think it kind of was a process of discovery for all of us, I mean, including all the participants from the four villages, because we did start from quite big kind of topics that, that have somehow to do with the landscape and also this uh, idea of cycling um, as a centenary of the 19 1923. So what does that mean? how do we cycle, how we were cycling, how we will be cycling, and what are the kind of big topics that this might open. And then we kind of followed different exercises to kind of find the more specific, um, let's say, questions that we were all interested in about the future, or about our relationship to the landscape, or how we might experience the landscape now, or how that was before, or how it will be in the future. Um, so that part was long, and then the actual kind of putting it together was maybe quicker because we did have kind of longer time uh, 
we did figure out the technicalities as we went uh, kind of cycling the route and understanding, uh, you know, how much attention you can pay to the audio and when it's nice to just cycle, uh, what it means to cycle with a lot of people all together and all those kind of questions that that come up in this process. That was quite interesting because that's where I was going to go in terms of, you know, you must have had to do quite a lot of research around the areas of Ratvilly, Greg, Cullen, Tullow and Hackettstown where the cycle will actually pass through. Um, did you enjoy cycling around that area yourself? Uh, y- yes. Um, I would say that the research is, is mostly talking to people, though, because somehow we were interested in this, like, smaller po- point of views or smaller histories or smaller stories. Um but we did do a lot of research just around, let's say, the bigger topics, just to make sure that we are kind of framing this correctly and then allowing uh, the participants to have their own, uh, you know, small personal stories and small personal mm, relationships to the landscape to appear. We're talking to Esther Nemeti. She's the artist involved in this uh, Cycles event coming up on the 24th of September. Orla Tracy is the creative producer at Carlo Arts Festival. She's in studio with us, Orla. Give us an insight as to some of the stories that you came across from speaking to people, um, as, as Esther was just saying, when you were building up the bank of stories that you wanted to portray as part of the event. Um, I suppose like the, the stories that we were talking about actually were quite out there so through the workshops that we were doing we were getting people to we were giving people prompts um, so Esther and Michelle would have set up the workshops with particular um, through kind of games um, they would give them particular words and get them to create sentences using those words so it would get quite um, strange and unusual thinking about like a hundred years into the future and you know somebody could imagine like being at the top of a steeple in Greg Cullen and seeing the high rise buildings of Dublin or something so (laughs) they got kind of weird and strange and unusual it wasn't so much a kind of looking back and imagining uh, you know nice times of coming together which we've done in previous projects it was more kind of trying to get people out of their normal headspace and think about okay we're thinking a hundred years into the future that could be completely different when we think about how we've changed in the past 100 years. So so how do we get into the headspace to think like that, to reimagine our future? Isn't that the beauty of the arts in its entirety, the fact that you can actually, whether it be an artist's view of the world through a particular painting or an experience like this, that you can get people to step out of the four walls, if you like, metaphorically, that they see around them and, and think outside the box? Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's a big part of what we're trying to do here is, I mean, it's a cycling event, absolutely, but it's about getting people to see the world around them a bit differently, to experience it differently, to understand it differently, to try out cycling for sure. Like if people haven't um, cycled before, you know, or not regular cyclists or anything like that, you know, we're welcoming those kinds of people to come and do this with us because it's going to be a really safe experience. There's going to be opportunities to hire bikes, to borrow bikes for the event. Um, I have cycled the 18 kilometre route and I can say that it's all right to cycle. <laughs> I managed <laughs> but, but it. But you were honest I, enough at the start to say you, you're not, you know, you weren't in the highlight, the lycra and the, the helmet and head down and flying along. You're, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what did you call it? Like a sort of enjoyable cyclist or something? Uh, yeah, that, so. I suppose leisurely. Leisurely, that's the word. That's cyclist, the word I was looking for. Um, so Esther, going slow. <laughs> Esther Nemethi is one of the artists involved. She's joining us on the phone line at the moment. Esther, are you looking forward to seeing people's response um, as they progress? Progress along the route and enjoy the experience. 
Yes, of course. And I mean, it's uh, it's very exciting because we're kind of building this as a as a kind of piece that will happen one time with this group of people. Uh, so it will be quite special because we we know that how it will work because we tested it in small bits, you know. But like, it will really happen on the day, and it will really happen between the people who will come to kind of cycle it on the day. So I think it will be quite a special moment for us also to see it, but also hopefully for the people to to participate and to be part of this and to, you know, cycle together and look together around Carlo and look maybe a bit differently at the future and the past and the landscape and how we are in it. And Orla, will you be on the cycle yourself on the day? Uh, uh, unfortunately, I would say not. I'd probably be in the middle of Duckett's Grove, kind of with a radio and uh, trying to make sure that everything <laughs> is running as planned. Um, just to say as well, we're working with Carlo Sports Partnership very closely on this. So they're helping us to organise um, this event. We're working very closely together as well with Carlo Road Cycling Club. So they're mm. marshalling it with us. We're getting, um, it is a, an Art 2023 project. So we're getting fantastic support from the Arts Council and the Department of Arts, Culture, Heritage, Sport, Media. Yeah, yeah. I might forget oh, listen, all the no, Don't worry about that because I do but that I, all the time. And we have the ministers sitting in front yeah. of me sometimes. <laughs> I think, you know, do you need any it's more a, titles I, added to the list? It's very difficult to remember them all. Um, I, I, I don't think they can remember them half the time, to be quite honest yeah, with you. Yeah, uh, seriously. But Duckett's Grove is a great jumping off point for this because Duckett's Grove is a bit mad in its own way, isn't it? When you yeah, look at the building it's and gorgeous. yeah, it's, it's beautiful, absolutely fabulous, and it was built in 1705. This gorgeous old Georgian country house, um, Gothic house, sitting in the middle of these golden fields. It's very picturesque. Mm. A beautiful place to start from. Um, so we're really excited about that, and I'm also really, really excited about. Um, Carlo Community Choir joining us as well on the day to sing a song that's specially created for this project that um, has been put together by um, Brian and Dermot MacLynn um, from Ye Vagabonds oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Carlo. So they grew up uh, near Duckett's Grove, cycling that area, and they um, were really excited to work with us. They used some of the text that we had created through the workshops to develop the song, and now Carlo Community Choir are going to sing that song uh, for us towards the end of the cycle. So as people go along, listen to the audio, they'll get little little snippets of the song as they go they'll hear bits and pieces of it so by the time they hear it towards the end it will be almost familiar yeah, to them the anthem if you like for, exactly. the, for the whole day yeah. in terms of age groups and stuff like this is this something that's open to families and children or is it just adults absolutely open families and children there's going to be a small uh cycle for very young children inside Duckett's Grove inside the wall garden there's going to be a shorter three kilometer cycle um, that people can join in on as well for those who don't feel confident to do the full 18 kilometers and then the 18 kilometer cycle is for 12 and upwards um, yeah makes sense really doesn't take it take part in yeah, yeah. So you can and there'll be a refreshment stop along the 18 kilometer cycle so you do get a break in the middle which I did need as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty. I so, love your honesty. It sounds like a fabulous event. In terms of people, uh, do they need to pre-register or can they just arrive? Um, ideally, they would pre-register. Um, so you can find details either through um, Cardo Arts Festival website or through the um, Cardo Sports Partnership uh, website. All the details as well are on our social medias as well. So Facebook, Instagram, all of that. But yeah, uh, so tickets are €5 Euro for adults, €2 Euro for children. But that includes um, a 
then I just read free that. barbecue <laughs> after that. So really, it's yeah, it's it's for nothing. It um, absolutely is for yeah, nothing. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah, think yeah. You, could, you, you wouldn't get a happy meal for two euros? It's, know, it's exactly. not, not a chance. So yeah, so should be get, a really fun day. It sounds. It does sound like a bit of fun. Um, yeah. I hope the weather stays clear and dry fingers for you. It, 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 fingers crossed. The only thing we can't control. No, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so much of what we do in Ireland, we spend the time looking up at the heavens, hoping yeah. you know. After all of this organisation, yeah. um, I love I love the quirkiness of it. I love the fact that it's interesting it's different perfectly situated at Duckett's Grove um, and I think that form that you were sat looking at one day as a blank form <laughs> was well worth filling out yeah. Orla Tracy creative producer at Carlo Arts Festival thanks for joining us in studio and Thank Esther you. Nemeti one of the artists involved in the whole event joining us on the phone there it's uh, 21 minutes past 11 as I said you can find out all of the information regarding that event by checking out carlosports.ie carlo if you just search for it you'll find it rather yeah. than trying to remember it all uh, stay with us because after this break um, we'll be talking Scale to Grana Heron Ireland's greatest love story is on TG Catter at 8.30 this evening Rita Kelly is a writer, poet and contributor to tonight's show I'll be talking to Rita just after this short break KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie KCLR you're very welcome back to KCLR. 24 minutes past 11 o'clock this, uh, what day of the week? Wednesday. Forgetting what day of the week it was. We're that busy here at the moment. Running around doing all sorts of great stuff. But a programme coming to air this evening at 8.30 um, on TG Car uh, called, yeah, listen to this. I'm going to get this right. Skelta Gra na Heron, uh, Ireland's greatest love story. Let's have a little listen to an expert after which, uh, an excerpt, should I say, after which we will be speaking to the expert, writer Rita Kelly. Well, I think the significance of the house is that it is where Eleanor Butler and Sarah Ponsonby, the ladies of Clanclough, stayed, lived their lives together, created a sort of romantic retreat in which they could be accepted as oddities and eccentrics within their society, while at the same time transgressing many of the rules, the rules of femininity and the rules of sexuality. I think it's very important that it has become this site where you can talk about queer histories and LGBT people can go and visit and, and feel something as relative to their own contemporary lives. What it does, it says there were always people who were different, always people who were queer in history. LGBT is not a contemporary or modern invention. And having those places and spaces where one can make a pilgrimage or go and visit is very important. That's an excerpt from um, this evening's show. Scales are grown here in Ireland's greatest love story. And joining us now on the line to tell us more about what we can expect, Rita Kelly, writer, poet and contributor to this evening's programme. You're very welcome along to the show this evening. The episode this evening, as it said there in the piece, is a love story about Lady Eleanor Butler and Sarah Ponsonby. Uh, as you said, being part of the LGBT community is not something new. Uh, what did you experience when you were involved in the show yourself? I was wonderful, and I have to, um, what should I say, say how great that the filmmakers are and how 
uh, intense and thorough researches as well as the people they line up and you'll see that from the program this evening how well it's done uh, in all the aspects of dealing with it. Uh, now, of course, what Mary McAuliffe, who's another contributor, said there is very true. The uh, queerness and LGBT and living together and being gay or lesbian, it's not a new idea at all. I mean, it's as old as Sappho. It goes back way before the times that we know about. And uh, there's always has been a kind of tradition of sanitizing this, and particularly with the families who are concerned. And this came right to the fore because the families, the butlers in Kilkenny and the Ponsonby's in Inishtig or Woodstock, did everything in their power to separate these two women. I mean, the, the Irish culture, Irish life, Irish history is littered with love stories. It seems so yeah. apt that T.G. Carr have decided to tell these stories from history through the medium of the Irish language. How important do you think uh, that Irish language is? Uh, it's hugely important, and of course you don't have to go any further than Kilkenny itself to see that. Uh, the wonderful schools that you have there, the Gwaelkolosh, the Ostri, and the Gwaelskalna that you have, and all the people in the community for whom Irish is uh, an authentic part of their tradition and identity. And it's, it's so interesting because nobody has a monopoly uh, on Irish, and that is taught in some places that, oh, you know, that belongs to so-and-so, so-and-so, or we never measure up because we're not trailing clouds of native glory. We can't all be native speakers, but that doesn't prevent us from being speakers of Irish if that's what we choose and it is of course a selection that we can make and then to tell this wonderful story and through T.G. Cahar and they do this so well and as I said this particular independent filmmaker group uh, Bow Media in Cork uh, and they have you know quite an amount uh, of work done already and we can see the quality of what they do and the quality of the uh, editing the quality of the sound the quality of the music and how it's all blended together and of course they went to Wales and what's amazing about Plasnuid and Clangaslan where the ladies or the two women ended up living for 50 years with Mary Carl their housekeeper uh, in this house that they shaped and made is that if you closed your eyes or even opened them again and said, oh, I could be in Inishtig, where the valley just sweeps down to the north, and in Wales it sweeps down to the River Dee, which comes from Snowdonia, and you just feel, oh my goodness, these women found a spot, because they didn't intend to stay in Wales, they intended to go on to England. They found a spot that was close to their heart, and they set up their life there and became a legend in their own time mm. so that people like Shelley and uh, the Duke of Wellington and Wordsworth and everybody visited them uh, because of what they were doing and with great courage. I mean, if you'll, if you'll do me the pleasure, I, I just wanted to read one short paragraph highlighting how their story began and, and maybe yes. then you can shine a little bit of a light as to how their story sort of finished off because it starts um, way back on the night of the 30th of March 1778 in County Kilkenny obviously here in Ireland a beautiful aristocratic orphan Sarah Ponsonby 23 at the time put on men's clothing 
picked up her pistol and her little dog Frisk and climbed out of the window. Um, the woman she knew as her beloved Lady Eleanor Butler, who was 39, quite an age gap, particularly for the time, also yeah. dressed in men's clothes, had travelled miles alone in the dark to meet her. Together, they planned to catch a boat to England. What a fantastic start to a story. Yeah, it's a wonderful start. And of course, the the word got out and then the posse uh, from the butlers, uh, the gold got into their carriages from Kilkenny. And of course, it was another one of them married in Boris' house uh, in, in Boris. And they all converged and they did find them, uh, the hiding in a barn. Uh, but eventually they got away from them with the help of Mary Carl and other people and made the crossing. So at the end, uh, poor Mary Carl, I mean, they lived, we'll say the three of them, which is so lovely when you look at the wonderful headstone in the church of St. Colin in Clonkoughlin, uh, which is triangular. And on one side is the uh, dedication to Mary Carl, their housekeeper, and she was the one to die first. Then Eleanor died, uh, age 90, which was, you know, wonderful when you think of mm. living to that age. And poor Sarah, as we know in legal terms, and of course we now live in a country where first of all we got civil partnership and then we got same-sex uh, wedding and marriage, uh, which is all of that legal protection. So of course that wasn't there in their time, so what happened? Poor Eleanor died, poor Sarah is there, and of course should be the chief mourner. Oh, not at all. On we get, so all the butlers come in all their force and turn up at Clonagoclin and take the position of chief mourners. Mm. And Sarah decides uh, with great poignancy that she will stay at the house and not go to the church of, for the funeral of her bed, with whom she has spent the last 50 years. I mean, that is heartbreaking. And it's also just so amazing that's, that's how it ended. And then within two years, Sarah herself is dead and buried. And the three of them are buried together. And then you have this wonderful, this wonderful stone uh, with their dedication on the three sides of it. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, story. I mean, considering Sarah was probably 74 or thereabouts when, when, when Lady Eleanor passed away, they did seem yeah, to right. manage to... Yeah, they did yeah. manage to lead um, a fairly full life together. Do you think it was the right thing for them to do? Well, we know the butlers turned up at Lady Eleanor's funeral, but mm. they wouldn't have been able to live a life together, um, probably here in Kilkenny under the eyes of the rest of the butler family and the people of Kilkenny at the time. Oh, not at all. No, it wouldn't have been possible. And, I mean, for many people in our own time, this living together uh, isn't always possible with the person that you love. And it doesn't have to be uh, either lesbian or gay. Very often in heterosexual situations, because families don't like it or don't approve of it. So, you know, we have these challenges all the time. And then how we deal with them. And that's how they dealt with it. And, of course, it's a huge inspiration for anybody, um, you know, with passion and love who decide that they're going to go against the norms because they didn't want to enter into the normal marriage uh, which was very often based on a contractual basis uh, for land and property and decided to do something else and of course it meant an exile and I don't think that they ever returned to Ireland. Now, they, there were certain uh, making up with members of the Butler family who visited them in Clungoclin, and uh, say certain members. 
So, I mean, that's hugely inspirational. And they have become that uh, from Kilkenny and from Inishtig, uh, that they still inspire all of us all of the time. The tremendous courage and the life that they lived. Of course, they also lived in the clippings of gin. They never had a penny. Mm. And it could also be argued that they didn't always spend it wisely. <laughs> you know, the bottom, <laughs> I would imagine they spelled, <laughs> spent it and enjoyed spending it, even if it wasn't spent wisely. But, I mean, you, you talked about mean an inspiration but they were also a huge inspiration to people of their time you know the romantic poet Anna Seward um, you know she was openly envious of their lifestyle Absolutely, uh, that they became that legend very quickly. But of course, you know, being part of the uh, aristocracy, I mean, these were the people who, you know, mixed with each other, went to dinners, knew about each other, and that's kind of upper class gossip which went on. But it was hugely inspiring and, you know, how they moved and they traveled and had visitors and so on. And then the, what they created at the house, which is kind of a mix and gather them in a way and of all the, the stuff that they got. And they broke up oak paneling and they put it up here and they put it up there. And they did all kinds of various things like that, uh, which was kind of it was an upcycling of their day. And uh, and that was inspiring, and of course created huge curiosity, and everybody wanted to see them. And then, of course, they wore top hats and they wore riding habits um, for a long time. But I mean, the the people of the village were so accommodating with them. But they they became this huge curiosity, and and people went. It was like part of the the journey. It was de rigueur that you visited uh, Place Noise to see the women and the gardens. And of course, they had cows and chickens and ducks and so on, and tried to be self sufficient um, in producing all of that. And they produced melons and all kinds of wonderful things. So a lot of the money went on buying extra um, extra land, and then of course the gardeners and and then. We have all the records of that, which is wonderful, and what things cost them. Cost them, and the gardeners very often were a huge scourge uh, because they were invariably drunk. <laughs> there are all these letters. I think most of the best gardeners spent. probably are, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> often, Rita, um, yes, it's a f- probably high on what they were. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fabulous, fabulous story, uh, Rita Kelly, it writer, is. poet, and contributor. Thanks for your time today. Um, I, I think that story could be made into a feature film to be quite honest with you it sounds absolutely yeah, fantastic right, yeah. Rita Lovely appreciate your time this morning thanks for joining us that's Scale to Grana Heron Ireland's greatest love stories um, kicking off this evening 8.30 TG Carr um, with the story of Lady Eleanor Butler and the love of her life Sarah Ponsonby a huge story of interest to us here locally 23 minutes uh, to 12 o'clock uh, we'll be talking wedding fairs and all things KCLR's wedding showcase coming up on the 28th September. We'll be hearing from another one of the great suppliers who'll be on hand that day after this break. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. I'm joined by Caroline Rooney, owner of Teutonic Bridalwear. Caroline, you're based at the Smithland Centre there in Lockboy. 
I am, Ethna, yes. Welcome to the programme. And you are going to be showcasing at our KCLR wedding extravaganza coming up soon in the Medieval Mile Museum. I am, sure, yes. I'm looking forward to it. It's such a beautiful setting. It's gorgeous. It's going to be a great night. And look, for people who are coming along on the night, any advice for them on the kind of questions that they might have prepared? Um, Well, the main thing would be for the brides to have a timeline of ordering wedding dresses and things like that. Because obviously they've never done it before, so it's new to them. So it's just maybe to, to get advice on when to start shopping and trying on and when they need to order their gown and stuff like that and allowing time for fittings with our seamstress. It's a huge deal choosing a wedding dress, isn't it? It sure is, yeah. It's one of the biggest things for a bride, I think. And tell me about that process. When or where does it start? Or do you find that brides have an idea of what they'd like in mind? Well, some brides do, Ethna, have a little idea and some girls come in and they're completely um, blank canvas. They haven't a clue, they haven't tried anything on before, they haven't even done some research online. Um, Most brides would start looking at Pinterest and Instagram and that and get a little feel for the styles they're attracted to. And then they might come in with a little idea of the kind of things they like, you know, and we'd start from there. For us, the most important thing is that the dress reflects their own personality, that they don't dress up as somebody completely different to themselves you know it will be different because it's a wedding dress and they will feel different but they've still got to feel themselves tell me then about the process because I know for myself having been a bride and having bought a dress that feeling of this is the one this is my dress yeah so I like we feel there's a few um, boxes that should be ticked when you when you feel it is the one the most important one is that feeling in it that you just you just love how you feel you feel amazing wearing it it is within your price range is another one comfortable enough to wear for about 15 hours that's the average bride does wear her dress for but the the feeling is different you can try on a lot of dresses and when you find the one it's a feeling that's different and it's, it's very hard to describe it and brides say oh I don't know if I'll get that but then when they do get it they're like oh I get it now it's it's so different. It's just the feeling that you're never second-guessing yourself. You've truly found it. And it's the feeling. So trust yourself in the feeling that you get. That's kind of the most important thing I could say to people saying yes. Obviously, Caroline, bridal wear is very classic and timeless. Do the seasons change or do trends change throughout the year? Have you noticed a kind of pattern there? Um, not so much, Ethna, from within a year or year to year. It's more the bridal, like I'm in the industry now about 27 years, but you'd notice bigger changes from like six to 10 year periods where you see a complete change around. But timeless and elegant and simple styles will always, always be there. And there is definitely more of a trend towards them at the minute, the understated kind of wellness, um, like simple, like really simple dresses, but with an amazing cut and um, slight little details, whether it's bows or you know kind of gathering and different things like that just to kind of um, make them a little bit different but the simpler style definitely is a big trend you do see um, a little bit of the fashion trends coming in a little bit when we go to shows um, to the buying shows you might see like a one shoulder look for a while but it doesn't tend to stay too long in bridal because brides are buying their dress or ordering their dress a year out from their wedding date so by the time they wear that it is 12 to 14 months down the road um so fashion trends don't tend to be a big big you know deciding factor on it it's more classic timelessness and then being true to the person's personality whether it's 
you know, they're attracted to glitz and glamour all the time, they might go for a bit more sparkle on the dress or if they're more um, into the boho or the old worldly style, they might go for a lace or a, you know, like a boho type romantic dress. So it's sort of more the personality that kind of would influence it really. What about the colours? The colours, there is, um, like ivory tends to be the, the most worn colour by Irish brides. It does lend itself to Irish skin more than the white, the traditional white of years, years ago. We wouldn't... The uh, pale but interesting to... Irish skin. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the, ivory, the ivory just lifts the skin a little bit. The white is very hard to wear. If you're very sallow, the white is great. Um, but the, the nude colours and the kind of into the blush pinks are quite popular as well with Irish skin tone and redheads particularly the blush is really beautiful on um, and then just little things like um, like we have veils now with coloured embroidery on them and um, some girls might personalise their dress and we get some embroidery done like we one girl there she had she loves red roses and she got some red roses embroidered and we pliqued them onto the dress just in a few little feature spots so you can kind of bring in a bit of colour that way if that's your thing the veil is a great way of doing it there is a huge trend towards colour in veils at the minute and all the trade shows we go to there's lots of those veils um, we have some in the store so they can kind of add a bit of colour um, black was a, was a thing there for a couple of years as well now I actually had a phone call on Tuesday a bride looking for a black wedding dress and we have one on the way actually we have one coming in as a sample um, so there, you'd have little things but it wouldn't be a huge amount of people that would go towards those looks but it's definitely making a little bit of a, an impact I think the Barbie movie as well is everybody's gone pink mad as well so <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of pink coming coming about You mentioned veils and you obviously do a range there to support your dress wear but it's it's lovely that brides can input their own extra little details into their dress can't they? Yeah that's like really that's like a main point for us at our store um, like we can customise the dresses I'm a trained dressmaker I went to fashion college so like we know what we can do to dresses you know and we follow through on it so like you get to know girls during the appointment and they might you know tell you little stories or they might have um, like some girls might have a tattoo that they love and they want to expose but then we might um, bring the you know bit of detail from the tattoo into the dress like in a bit of colour if they wanted it you know it's very very personalised um, so that's great you can kind of make it their own and, and they feel then that it's very unique then you know it makes their dress more unique to someone else's Do you have many tears on the trying on dress days? Yes we would um, you'd see all sorts of emotions but the tears when they find the one is, is a big one and it may not be the bride herself it may be her mom or her, her best friend or her sister and we've had some dads in as well and brothers when they feel oh my god that's the one and obviously then if the bride sees that as well they tear up as well so there's the tissues all over our, our over our store for that so yeah like sometimes it's giddiness and it's giggles and it's yeah this is it and sometimes it's teary but it's happy tears and then the emotion when they come for their fitting in their actual own dress that's when you kind of see that emotion coming through as well because I know the one they're in now today is their own dress that was made for them and it's getting closer to the wedding date at that stage as well. So I'm sure there's all kinds of emotions going on with the run-up. So yeah, we do. We do see a lot of tears. <laughs> we cry too sometimes with them. <laughs> I'd imagine you do. It must be lovely to be involved in one of the biggest days of people's lives. Yeah, I have to say, like, I think every day we nearly say that, the girls and myself, um, like we're very blessed to be in a job every day that we love and that we're surrounded by happiness. And, and I think maybe during the last few years with the COVID and the lockdowns and all, we kind of really saw that. Like, obviously, 
you know, people driving to work into hospitals and haven't didn't know what they were going to face every day. Like we know when we drive in every day, we're going to meet brides that are planning, you know, families planning a big day, a real important day that's happiness all the time. So we truly are blessed and we do remind ourselves of that all the time. It's a lovely, lovely um, industry to be in, actually. So, Caroline, on the night of our KCLR wedding showcase, what can brides and grooms from across Carlow and Kilkenny and indeed further afield expect? Well, we're going to have a couple of mannequins there um, just with some sample dresses on as well. And then we'll have some lookbooks and our diary as well, obviously. So if anybody wants to make an appointment, we can take appointments then. So, yeah, we, like, I'll be there myself and um, we can have a chat and any brides, you know, to be and any questions they'd have, absolutely, we'll answer. So, like, m- the main thing would be just to get ideas, have a chat to people about their own style, the personality, and the kind of wedding as well they're having. Sometimes the setting of a wedding where their their venue is can determine a particular look as well and kind of would have an influence on the type of dress style that they go for. And we do one-and-a-half-hour appointments, and they're all private appointments. Um, we don't charge for appointments as well, so that's an important thing as well for girls to know. We do two late nights as well, actually. That's another biggie. We do Wednesdays and Thursdays till nine o'clock. We do appointments. That's and really good. It gives people yeah. an opportunity to get to you after work and um, just it. makes makes the whole service more accessible. Great work, Caroline. Listen, thank you so much for joining us. Really looking forward to meeting you at the Medieval Mile Museum on the 28th. Um, and for forward pe- to it, Thank you. And for people that can't make along there, Caroline, where can they find you? Well, they could find us on our website. So we have a really great website, www.teutonic.com. And we also have our social media, our Instagram and our Facebook um, is kept up to date as well. We have most of our dresses on there and stuff. And they can just drop us a a, a, a private message on on social and uh, we can have a chat with them. A very own ethnic quirk talking all things bridal wear to Caroline from Jutonic Bridal Wear. Part of the exhibition, the bridal showcase coming up uh, on the 28th of September here in the Medieval Mile Museum. Fabulous location. We were actually down there having a little look around yesterday. Spectacular. And you can check out all the information that you need on all of KCLR's social platforms. It's nine minutes to 12 o'clock. I'm going to take a very short break after which we'll be catching up with Kathleen Chadda. KCL or Live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. KCL you're very welcome back to the show. Well, the Blackstairs Cycle Challenge 2023 will take place on Sunday, September the 17th. It's organised and dedicated to the memory of Owen and Rory Chada and supports our local schools, GA clubs and on a national level, the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation and Down Syndrome Ireland. And, and somebody who's always a pleasure to talk to joins me on the line now, um, the lady herself, Kathleen Chada. You're very welcome along. Good morning, Kathleen. Uh, for having me on indeed listen it's great to have you um how are you keeping i'm good i am good getting myself ready now for sunday i don't cycle myself can i just put that out there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i made one attempt about two years ago to cycle um uh, fell off the bike and went that's not for me (laughs) Uh, but it's a fantastic day (laughs) my excuse is i'm in the kitchen i'm in the kitchen and i'm pouring tea well i think the best Um, way to get out of actually doing something is to organize that something for other people because then you're too busy organizing to actually have to do it um listen before we we get on to talk about the event itself i know you're always very open about talking about the boys um, Owen and Rory yeah. their anniversary in July this year the 29th um, 10 years gone it was 
Yeah, 10 years and it's, it's hard to believe it's it's 10 years um, and uh, yeah, there, and there is something very significant about 10 years. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure what it is or why but it's a certain milestone. It's, mm. it's, uh, it, it, there's, there's just something shifts is the best way of putting it is uh, really and uh, it's not, it, it, it doesn't change, it just shifts um, I suppose and uh, yeah so it was it was a tough one um, I can it was a very well, tough I can't, one I can't but, imagine uh, as can. no and I'm glad that you can't uh, indeed Brian as you know uh, because it's only I suppose it is only those that have gone through um, the loss of a child that, that know that there's there's a huge significance to it uh, and how are you doing indeed I've only had a couple of conversations recently um, I'm good I'm good I changed jobs recently so I'm now working with First IVF in Clane which is uh, where I am at the moment mm. um, and that's been great I'm, I'm back into a clinical setting which I think is my my forte and, and uh, where, where I like to be indeed so um, that, that's been good uh, and yeah, I'm settling in a you know into a new apartment um, up in Dublin now. So um, yeah, there's been a lot of change this year. I suppose obviously with the book and, and stuff like that as, yeah. as well. So there's been a lot going on. Uh, so it's been a very busy year. But um, no, I'm in a I'm in a good place. You said you, you sound I still it. Have I mean, ups and downs. yeah, of yeah, course. But yeah. you, you do sound it even when we spoke there just before coming on the show. You, yeah. you actually sound different yeah. from the last time we spoke. But I mean, it, today's you know about celebrating the boys as it always is with the Black Stars cycles yeah. coming up um, yeah. registrations are now open give, give us an insight as to the types of cycles that are available to people and um, like so the, yeah no it's it, there's, there's kind of something for everybody so we start off the, the, the main event and the one that honours Owen and Rory I suppose is the family cycle mm. which is a 12k cycle around Bollinkill and um, and, uh, and, and those, it's full of joy I mean we had about 160 cyclists on that last year and it's just it's just fun it's it's a you know it, it, it is great fun and it's great to be able to see we try and make sure that even all the people that are helping out all the locals that are helping that they're able to actually go on that with their kids and stuff like that so that's great and then we go from 50 to 80 to 110 to 140 yeah so um yeah i'd struggle to to, to drive some of those myself but anyway uh they're just and, and they're glorious i remember when i mean there's a fantastic team behind it I, I turn up now is, is the best way of putting it um, uh, Brian there's a fantastic team behind it you know uh, David Brendan and, and Irene in particular and then there's a bigger bigger team yeah. um, but what those guys do is just incredible um, in the organisation because there's a lot of work that goes on in the background um, but it's just you know I remember talking to David about it the very first year and he said there's three things you look at you look at the, the route the marshalling and the food and I mean the route is incredible it's through the Blackstairs Mountains it's Stop through you know sort of in it's beautiful it, you know and it is gorgeous and I think the weather is going to be good so it's always great when it's you know it's when it's sunshine um, the marshalling we have so many fantastic people uh, within the community of Ballinkillen uh, and beyond that now it's not just Ballinkillen we, we you know I drag in all the families Family and, and all sorts, um, you know, and, and we make sure that is that that the marshalling side of things is 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 there, so everybody knows where to go. Yeah, you know, and that's the one thing uh, that I hear. Food, I mean, it, it's worth turning up on the day just for a look at that alone. We start off with breakfast, um, you know, and again, all of that is sponsored. It is incredible how good people are, um, you know. Uh, so you start off with breakfast and then, it, you know, you get this teas and coffees all through the day and then there's um, there's hot food at the end. And we make sure everybody gets that yeah, because yeah. that is that is important. I mean, if you've done 140 kilometres <laughs> on a bike, 
um, you need something substantial. I, I think uh, you and I'd be eating for about a month if we did 140 well, kilometres on a bike. Oh, but it's great to see you've got those, those family cycles as well. Yeah. Listen, we're tight for time yeah. today, but I mean, the most yeah. important thing is that the event taking place, um, registrations are now In open. Yeah. yeah, and you registrations can, you, now open, um, and it's great if you can register online. You can turn up on the morning um, and register if needs be. So registration will be open on in um, in person from seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, we'll be there and we'll have breakfast set up at that stage so you know please come along it's, it's a fantastic event um, and it is it, it allows Ballinkillen to shine yeah. it's just incredible and all done in the memory yeah. of Owen and Rory always thinking about the Owen and Rory that's um, it listen we love you we absolutely love you having you on the show um, oh, you, you're so many you. things to so many people and uh, listen we'll get you down when you're when you've got the time because you're a busy lady that's for sure and we'll have a proper chat <laughs> with you again sometime in studio Kathleen Chadda as always a pleasure Thanks talking a million. to you um, that cycle taking place uh, September the 17th Sunday to September the 17th you can get your registrations online uh, go along have a bit of fun support all those charities support Kathleen and the fama uh, I'm going to get shot for being late to the news but Kathleen is always worth it I'm out of here John Keane is up after 12 take care KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC Cinema. See fairgreen.ie.